podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and thank you for downloading another episode of the Glasgow Screen Podcast, aka GigPod. First off, from myself, Stevie, and Rizzo, who's no longer with us. But I just use that term loosely because he's in a flat in Maryhill, no doubt grumbling away. We both hope that you all enjoyed your Christmas day and you spend the rest of the year doing absolutely nothing except listening to our show, of course. We're following on from the last episode with big Johan Yelby. I'm delighted to say that we're joined by one of the biggest Celtic YouTubers in the biz. It's Paul at Celtic Fans TV. Paul, thank you for coming on GigPod. No problem, Stevie. Thanks for having me. Um, it's good to get a wee break for, for asking the questions and get to answer some. Well, I just want to say, first off, Paul, before I ask you, did you have a good Christmas, right? I want to make it official that Feedspot have said we are one of the top 20 Celtic FC podcasts to listen to uh, online. So we're no longer a jobber podcast. We've actually broke through there. We're at number 15. What'd you get up to on Christmas Day? Just spent it with family, man. Um, I think I overdone it a wee bit with the, with the drinking, but um, that's what it's for in it this time of year. So um, Boxing Day and doing the content on Boxing Day wasn't wasn't the easiest, but um, that was a good time, man. I learned through watching you on the Celtic State of Mind Quadruple Charity Weekender, Paul. I think you were on before us, but you set the platform up in 2018 after you were like an avid podcast listener for years. And now, in the space of two years, you're at almost 30,000 subscribers, which is some going. Has that figure risen despite the pandemic halting you guys? Or has that, you know, do you think it would be even more? if we weren't in the world we're currently living in just now? It's hard to say. I think I think it probably would be a wee bit higher if we were doing our usual content outside the ground um, after every match day. I think it probably would be a wee bit higher. To be fair, though, like people have been brilliant. The audience has been great during this time because obviously we've had to transition to a totally different kind of content. And I know that, I know for watching uh, a lot of content myself through the height of the pandemic and lockdown and stuff that, watching zooms and and live streams where people are just in their house and it's it's pretty static they're just they're just sitting still and it's it's not the best content i understand that but i think people have been brilliant with us um and it's it's probably still gained around five or six thousand subscribers like since the start of lockdown which is which is pretty incredible considering but as i say i guess we'll never know how it would have grown uh, had had we been at the grounds as normal this season but definitely can't complain with, with how it's gone as much as it is a normality for the now has it still sort of affected you sort of doing it at home or have you just sort of got on with it I, I think it's definitely affected me it's definitely it's just not the same experience at all um, even separately for the content like not being able to be at the game just I mean that's the that's the primary thing you want to do as a, as a supporter in it to, to be there at the game and to to enjoy the live spectacle of uh, watching Celtic and the atmosphere and the big games and stuff and aye it's just it's such a big part of people's lives and, and I'm no different and it's been it's been difficult to adapt. I think the hardest bit has definitely been having to sit in your living room and watch the games and and not being able to take part in the game if you like the way you do when you're there um as a fan. But in terms of the content, because we went from the game against St Mern in March to right up to like two days before uh, the derby, we thought it was still going to go ahead and then there was no games for, for months. That sort of allowed us a wee period to to kind of plan how we were going to handle 
um, making content if if the games were going to be behind closed doors. So I think that helped us because we weren't like one week there as normal, and then the next week it was behind closed doors, and we had to pivot to do live stream stuff and and things like that. So it's definitely been different. And in some ways, it's more challenging because you're relying on people's internet connections and, and different stuff like that, which is a totally different dynamic to, to when you're outside the ground. But I, again, it's been difficult, but um, it's when I, when I look back on it now, I think the, the transition to, to doing live streams and stuff has been relatively smooth. What's been the main target audience? Has it been... Has there a community on YouTube for a lot of these fans that are just dedicated to that channel? Or has there been stuff like Celtic forums playing a part, Twitter and Facebook and all that as well? What's been like the main platform where you've been getting the majority of people really tuned into you and your content? It's such a wide, there's such a wide range of uh, factors and where people come from. I think initially when we went, when we did the trailer for the channel back in July 2018, I asked a guy who ran a Celtic account on Twitter to, to retweet it for us. And it just it went mental, and I think a lot of the initial sort of exposure came from the trailer on Twitter and, and people transferring over to YouTube. And we set a a, a goal of a thousand subscribers on YouTube, and we we're going to give away like a home shot or something at the time. And we'd actually passed a thousand subscribers before we'd actually made the first bit of real content after a game. So that was incredible, and I think Twitter did play a big part in the, in the early days. But I do think on YouTube. YouTube is brilliant, as most of these tech platforms are. Like they're brilliant at knowing what people want to watch. So I think there is a big audience there on YouTube, and as we know as supporters, like we just want to consume content about Celtic because, like, we love the club and it's football and everything is just such a core part of our life. So there is an audience there that are just dying to consume content, um, and I think we're able to tap into that. And there's no doubt YouTube's algorithms and and shown it to people who are who are interested in it. We've actually we've got a lot of um like expats and, and Scottish people who live in Australia and America, Canada, um, all over the world really. And that's been amazing because that's not something that um has been deliberate. It's just been something that's cropped up through the probably the exposure to, to YouTube and, and shown it to people who might be subscribed to the, the official Celtic channel or watch other types of, of Celtic content on YouTube and our channel's clearly been exposed to that and that's really helped so I think it's there's a range of different things but I think initially Twitter was big and then most of it since then is definitely down to, to YouTube. YouTube on a personal level is definitely my most used social media platform by far more than Twitter more than Facebook's just a dead end now yeah. way more than Instagram I think YouTube um, is definitely but I absorb all the content and it's along with yourselves and there's six or seven hail hail and I say to stay I mind you're the three accounts that I just are just my staple go to for any Celtic content. Um and long may continue. And I just wanted to now talk about my next point, right? If I can talk about yourself now at the ground and the immediate sort of reaction from fans and everything, I wanted to ask what it was like when you first did it. Was it nerve wracking considering by default people in Glasgow or at least certainly me anyway, are largely cynical uh, individuals. Now, maybe this is just towards me, but I can almost guarantee if I went about Celtic Park with a microphone, I mean, I'd be getting the same comments at me that Peter Lawwell would get strolling down the Celtic way in a Lamborghini after a bad result. How do you get the brass neck? To answer the first part of that question, it was never at the start. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, again, because in the early days of the channel, even though 
we get that initial exposure on Twitter and stuff, we still thought it's going to be really, really difficult to get anyone to talk to us. And, and it was, to be fair, in, in the first couple of months, it, there was definitely games where it was really difficult to, to try and get people to, to stop and talk to you. But we also thought that we'd be lucky if we were getting a, a couple of hundred views on the videos. But the way the the way the build-up went after the trailer and stuff, and we actually got some mainstream media um, exposure for that as well. And Scott Reed for, for Still Game ended up coming over for the first episode and stuff. And it was all a bit mad that, that first week, and we ended up doing like 30,000 views on the first video against Aliskert, which is mental. And we were... Well, I was I was unprepared for for that um for it to grow that quickly, but we I I was definitely nervous. You can I'm sure if you go back and watch it, but if you're listening, I beg that you don't go back and watch it because that first video is a mess. It's just it's like a first version of anything in it. It's like the shots a nightmare. It keeps going in and out of focus. It's fair to say we've got a lot better over time, but it was definitely nerve wracking um at the start. We've we've had. We've had some instances like people aren't. Some people don't like it, and that's the case with everything. Um, that kind of content's not for everybody. And I think initially, when people didn't know, when, like when people first heard it was going to be a thing, and they have like infamous examples of these types of channels in their head, um, they'd kind of made their mind up about how it was going to be, um, and what the content was going to look like. But um, we wanted it to be different for. For what those people might have expected that it would be uh, and we did get some from celtic supporters outside the ground we did get a couple of um snide comments to say the least it's the start but overwhelmingly people were people were very supportive and for every negative comment there's been there's been nine or ten really supportive ones and and people have been brilliant everybody that you see on the channel now just about every single contributor was someone who i met through through doing the the videos outside the ground who just stopped uh, one game or another and and spoke to me and they gave good insight and, and they wanted to help out and they wanted to contribute more so those guys have been brilliant and they've really helped make it what it is but I it was it was definitely difficult at the start and um, never acting for those first few games definitely. Did you come from like a media background or anything initially as well, Paul? Or have, is, is it just something that you decided, you know, you're going to just buy a microphone and get people's opinions instead of listening to the news, like sort of inaccurately reporting how Celtic fans are feeling and everything? How did that all come about? Like, what was the main motivation behind it, really? Aye, people ask me that all the time. Um, to have a background in media or a media degree, journalism or anything? Not at all. I actually studied politics and sociology at uh, university, so... Um, a million miles for for sports journalism, but I it was just desire to, as you say, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, again, just consuming content about Celtic all the time, and like I've just been obsessed my whole life, and I wanted to wanted to make something and add to it, but add something different, and and that sort of video content, I just thought it was a a real space for it, um, and I think that that's been validated and, and how quickly it's grown that there was definitely an audience for for this type of content and I that that was that was where it came from um I did swither about doing it for for probably a few weeks or more like as a brass neck um it certainly was at the start a bit of a brass neck and that's not typically my personality but I knew that if I could get through that initial difficulty and it could grow then it would be like a brilliant platform for for me to have and for for supporters to to watch so 
Aye, it's that's how it came about. How do you think the interviewing would have went this season, especially after your terrible run from October to the start of the month? I know it might be a, a hard question to answer because for all I know, you've went through some brutal moments with Celtic fans TV in the past, but I don't think any of us have ever witnessed like the atmosphere, certainly in recent years, like we saw against like Ross County and all that. So can you imagine like, getting a microphone after that game? If the fans were allowed at the game and this pandemic didn't happen, but the form was still the same. I mean, is it something that you think about or have I just hit it into your head right there? No, I've definitely thought about it. I've definitely thought about it this season, um, especially in that difficult period. Like I said earlier on, like there's obviously there's been difficulties and there's been some benefits to to the way we're doing the the content the now. Um, we'd obviously all love to beat the games instead, but I during that difficult period and like we've had obviously we've had bad results throughout the time of doing the channel when everything was normal, and it's never easy to do it after those games. Um, you generally find that most people don't want to talk to you. I mean, even after, you said earlier about people in Glasgow being cynical. I think Scottish people in general are largely cynical. Cynical, camera shy, and and sometimes snide. Like, a lot of people don't want to talk to you. So, it's hard at the best of times. So, when things are, aren't going well for the team and we're getting bad results, it can be even more difficult. I don't even want to think what the content would have been like after a game like Boss County or, or even the St. Johnston uh, game the week after because... Aye, that run was that run was terrible. Um, maybe, maybe in some ways it would would have helped. We've talked all season about how different the situation might have been if the supporters were in the stadium as they usually would be. Maybe it would be in a different situation now. Maybe the team would have responded differently to to the fans being there. Maybe the board would have responded differently to the fans being there. And aye, maybe the content could have helped some people let steam off in a in a more um, a productive manner, if you will. Aye. Um, than what ended up happening because I think that came what happened with the protest and stuff came because people weren't being listened to and they didn't have a a medium to be listened to through because they're not there at the games like using their voice the way they, the way that we usually would so I, I it would have been difficult it would have been so difficult but maybe it would have helped in some way and I think obviously even for me making making content after bad results is difficult because I mean, there's there's been a couple of games like over the course where I've just had to take ten minutes after the game to like um, compose myself before starting the content because just like just like everybody else, like sometimes bad results get to you, but you can't come on and and make content um, absolutely livid. You need to try and find some semblance of, of calmness to to approach it. Talking about the football now, Paul Hamilton were disposed of yesterday almost too easy. We've now ran over the top of the three worst teams in the league in Kilmarnock, Ross County and the Aki's themselves. Me and Rizzo are at loggerheads with each other on the show every week after every result now. I said after the Leo game, I felt it was a turning point in my back. Rizzo, you know, you're talking about cynical and snide people. That is my co-host. He just <laughs> thinks he thinks it's, it's not likely and we're going to find the real answer to that on the 2nd of January. All me and him have done since start of November, since we started the podcast, we was talking about this New Year's game. But focusing on yesterday's match and the question, are we back, Paul? What do you think? If I was to choose a side between you and Vito, mate, I'd probably be on Vito's side. <laughs> um, I think we've been better, obviously. We've, we've got some wins under the belt and that no doubt helps with momentum and stuff. But considering how, how bad that run was and, and where the team were at, 
I've, I said after the Lille game and after the Kilmarnock game that it would be baby steps back to to actually saying that we turned the corner that we were back in any in any real sense of the word because even at times through that run, um, the first half against Aberdeen and maybe even the away game at Malibu, there was times where people thought, oh, do you know what, we look maybe a wee bit more like the real Celtic now and we can kick on and it just wasn't the case and so often, certainly with this team, I think in like this this period since since Neil Lennon came back in, in full time charge, it's been very we've been very consistent against the the majority of the league. But as time has been laced with these really disappointing, um, really poor results and big games like the European qualifiers and the games against Rangers, and ultimately that's what I think. I mean, the game yesterday was good. I thought. There was a lot of positives to take. The, the diamond in the last two games looks like it's worked. Edward and Griffiths back together is something I think we all love to see. And like to see them linking up is brilliant. And that's what we want to get back to because we know how how good the, the the back end of last season went with those two. But I still think the acid test is the second of January, and and we can't we can't lull ourselves into like a, a false sense of security about how the team's playing based on these wins against the likes of Kilmarnock and Moss County and. And Hamilton Aki's because, I mean, we've done it before, and I think if you go back now, I don't know if we're, uh, we might touch on the, the the derby a wee bit more before we finish. But if you go back to to the last three, I know we won the cup final, but um, we're having real problems dealing with Rangers, and they've been the better team in the last three derbies now. So I think that's the acid test. And considering how many points we've dropped, and I know we've got those games in hand, and there was a point in that run where you thought. You can't account on any points for the games in hand because every game it looked like we could drop points. So the gap is there, and I think that we've left ourselves in a position where we cannot lose under any circumstances next weekend. I have to say, Paul, and I don't want to, I know this isn't the Glasgow's Blue podcast, right? But having watched the Rangers certainly in depth in the last few games, I don't think they've been impressive at all, and I think we can get at them. One of the things that I've constantly said the way we should play against them, right? And I'm not trying to say that like, I'm Gavin Strang's best pal or anything, despite spending a lot of time on the laptop, but <laughs> let them have as much of the ball as possible and hit them in the counter. Because see, yesterday, Hibs did that in the first minute. They very nearly scored through Martin Boyle. Yeah. Um, they took their full-backs right out of the equation. And if you can do that, like St Mirren showed, it's possible to get a result against them. They're not all conquering. Lest we forget, they've not won anything yet. And when it really came to it, when the pressure was on, that St Mirren game a couple of weeks ago, they failed yet again. I know that's been conveniently whitewashed all because what they beat Motherwell and Hibs yesterday, but I really don't feel them. But ever since that St Mirren game, they haven't impressed me one bit. I saw them for what they are as a decent team, but certainly with a good few weaknesses where they didn't look as if they had any weaknesses in the past. And now we Ryan Jack out and Arfield out, and us coming into a bit of form where we've got Soro and Turnbull to energise us, I honestly think we can get at them. Now, if Rizzo was on here, he would be groaning and rolling his eyes going, they'll raise their game. And do you know what? Maybe they will. And maybe this is a false dawn. I don't know. But it's just my personal opinion that I just don't think this Rangers team are going to be the same as what we saw in October. I think there are signs there that, that are definitely faltering. And I honestly think we can go there and beat them. And it has to be a win. Because even when you think about it, Paul, a draw, it doesn't suit us. I mean, it's not a disaster, but you want to go there and lay a marker for the season ahead and beat them at Ibrox. Yeah, I think they've been riding the crest of a wave 
this half of the season. Um, there's a period where like they didn't even look like conceding a goal, let alone draw many points or, or losing any games. And even throughout all of that, like the early period of the season, where just about every club had some issue with COVID, they managed to really avoid having any. Um, I know there was the the Jones and Edmondson thing, but it didn't really um, damage their first team in any way. So Hollander is Hollander was the only real miss they had, wasn't it? Hollander's only the positive test I think they've had. So I think they were playing really well. Everything seemed to be going their way. I do agree that since St Mirren, they've looked a lot less convincing. I did catch a bit of the game yesterday. I caught the second half um, of the Hibs game. And Hibs could have could have got something from the game. And obviously, you talked about Jack being out and, and maybe Arfield being out as well. And that that will hurt them, no doubt. Um, I also agree that, I mean, these games often in the past haven't went to form. We know that. Um, and if you look at our last visit to Ibrox, I thought we handled that game brilliantly. And even though I've I've said earlier on about the the big game's been real letdowns under Lennon, um, that Ibrox, that trip to Ibrox last September did only come a couple of weeks after Cluj, um, and you were fearing the worst going into that game, but we handled it brilliantly. And I think we did play differently to how everybody expected, like even down to the. The way we took kickoff and, and we booted into the corner and we played in their half and we didn't go gung ho. We were at times ha- happy to let them have the ball um, and we punished them when our chances came along. And I was really surprised by it this season because even I thought, listen, surely they're going to at some point have have learned from their failures and, and be able to deal with the, the mental side of the game when the expectation is on them to go and sweep up a trophy. So I was surprised by this Man game, but that's why our bad run is is all the more damning because we've let them build up this gap. And I know it might only be seven points if, if we if we win the games in hand, but we'll let them build up this wee bit of a cushion. And listen, we can definitely, if we go to Ibrox next week and get a result and and find that consistency again like we, we had after uh, New Year last season, we can build and put pressure on them because I think that's where we need to we need to get them. We need to get them to within a game maybe three points four points and then um we might see that pressure starting to pay because that is what we what we have to do because again like this Mun game showed that like teams left in the competition everybody expected Rangers to to go and clean up and win the league cup and and they failed at St Mun. so I think there's still that there'll still be that doubt there there'll still be that bit of insecurity that when they had probably the best chance they've had to, to lift a trophy um, in Gerard's time there they've still somehow managed to to fall so I think we can definitely get a result next week but I'm torn between like these games so often don't go to forum so that means we can and, and we've had games where like the, the last visit to Ibrooks where we've shown that we can play in a different way and, and beat them but the evidence of the last three games against them I mean that that just that that splits me down the middle. Like I, I don't know what kind of Celtic we're going to get, but we we certainly need to come up with something different and and give them something different and and let us be the aggressor in the game and control it. And because that's not been the case in the last three derbies. I mean, we're going on about this game next week, but before that, it's actually Dundee United at Celtic Park on Wednesday. Or rather, since nobody knows what day it is during this festive period, December the thirtieth. Paul, do you expect another win against a side unbeaten in the last three games? And will we go with the same team 
as we played against Hamilton. I do expect another win. Aye, absolutely. Um, again, we're in that position now where, I mean, Celtic need to win every game, but particularly in the situation we find ourselves in, like every game is must win. Um, that's that's where we're at. So I would expect us to win it. I know that, I mean, our home form has actually been more disappointing in our away form at times this season. And I don't think the pitch is in great condition just now as everybody's been talking about. But I do expect us to to beat Dundee United. We, we found it tough up there at Tannadice and, and they managed to hold us till late in the game. But um, I would hope at Celtic Park with a bigger pitch and off the back of um, a few wins in a row, then we should be able to hopefully get a comfortable win. Um, I do expect the same team, um, or roughly the same team. There might be one or two changes. Maybe Julian will come back in if he's if he's fit. I think he was maybe just a precaution because of the plastic pitch yesterday. So Julian might come back in. Expect the diamond. I just I'd expect that to that to remain and and Griffiths and Edward up front, as I said earlier on, which is just gives us a different dynamic um, to our attacking play, which is I think at times I know the def- the, the big problems have been defensive ones, but in some of the poor domestic performances there's no doubt if Edward and Griffiths were playing together that they might have been different so I think for Griffiths it's about getting more minutes and and keeping his keeping his head screwed on keeping his feet in the ground and, and working hard and like keeping his place in the team because we've we've seen from his time at Celtic if he's in the team he's going to score the goals um I think I've seen on Twitter um, today or yesterday, it's a goal involvement every 82 minutes in his Celtic career. So if you get Griffiths on the pitch, um, you will get goals. And I think these sorts of games, certainly against the bottom six teams and, and just about everybody in the league, if we can get Edward and Griffiths as a partnership firing, we should be we should be winning comfortably. It's quite interesting because Dundee United were the team that actually started to expose Rangers. They scored the first goal against Rangers in God knows how many games back in the 13th of December. They exploited their fullbacks. Um, it was a cracking goal for their right-back and made it 1-1 at the time. Since then, that was their last defeat because Dundee United, as I said, unbeaten in three. Quite interestingly, Paul, in their last away game, it was Easter Road. Now, they were battered and it should have been like six or 70 hibs. I fairly expect Celtic to create so many chances against them, but it's all about taking them because their goalkeeper, uh, Benjamin Segrist, to Celtic, I think, were... Lazily linked with, aye, by Stephen McGowan. Um, he was cracking and he's been in really, really good form for them. So it seems to be the longer Dundee United are in a game, even at 1 0 down, they actually look capable of getting a, a result out of nowhere. They did it yesterday against Murrable. They weren't in the game at Tannadice. Murrable were 1 0 up through Tony Watt. And then out of nowhere, injury time, they made it 1 each. It's really key that we kill the game in the first half, if possible, I think. I agree. I think too many times this season we've let the game drift in the first half and um, it's came back to bite as Ross County and St. Johnson being the most obvious examples of that. So I think a, a good start is is massive for us. Um, you could say that in any game, but I just think particularly coming out of the, the run in the position that we're in now, like we can't let games get into the, deep into the second half or even midway through the second half where like still level or still stuck at 0-0 because I think that's when the uncertainty um, and the panic starts to to set in with the team because of the way results have went at times this season. So I I think a a good start is is massive for us on Wednesday. But as I say, I think if we, we play the way we've been playing, then we should definitely get that, and hopefully we can get a convincing win. And if we create, as you say, if we can create a lot of chances against them, and provided the goalkeeper doesn't have a blinder, um, hopefully we can maybe get 
more goals because in the past couple of games, even though we got three yesterday, we could have had five or six again. And um, in the Ross County game before that, we could have had more as well. So it'd be good to see us going into that game at Ibrooks if we can get a comfortable win um, and, and maybe rack up some goals that will build the confidence. It's time to do the draw for Johan Yawi's Apple and Rhubarb Gin. Now, we had an incredible response to it, and I have painstakingly put all the names of those who shared the tweet or followed us into a randomised tool online. Paul, I'm going to run this as soon as you tell me to do so, and I'm going to ask you to tell me when to stop it. So, if you can say go, I'll read out the winner live. And it, the good thing is, it's no accountability for me. So everybody else that's complaining about it, they don't blame Gigpod. They blame Celtic fans TV. <laughs> and that is that is my snide wee angle on this. But Paul, I am ready to go as soon as you tell me to do so and I'll read out the winner. Go. Here we are. Stop. There we are. The winner is at Scott Rowe 88 so that's at Scott Row eighty eight, and our sales at Gigpod will message you to let you know you've won. And thanks to everybody who entered. And if you didn't win, don't worry, because we're going to get a couple of more prizes in January to uh, next year to do it all this again as well. Since you are a brilliant bunch of listeners, and that was an amazing response that we had there. So now, Paul, thanks for doing that, and I just want to say thanks very much for coming on. Can you plug? where the listeners can find you on YouTube, Twitter, or any social media platform that you're on. You can find us at Celtic Fans TV on YouTube. That's obviously the main platform for us. You can get us at Celtic Fans TV on Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, thanks for having me on, Steve. Really enjoyed it, mate. Very welcome. And it's been really good to have you on as well. So, our sales at Gigpod will be back with a Rangers preview soon. Enjoy the rest of the festive break. Remember to subscribe to us on Apple Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Stevie. Cheers for listening and once more thanks to Paul at Celtic Fans TV for coming on and hail hail. Network.